Sick Boy Podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Since the beginning of the pandemic in mid-March, patient visits to emergency departments have dropped by up to a half. In British Columbia, actual ER visit stats are now 3,600, down from 6,500. It's no wonder why. Leaving the house, let alone a trip to see the doctor, is now one of many activities that Canadians may question, asking themselves if it's a good idea as we all try to avoid exposure to COVID-19. Emergency doctors like me are asking ourselves, where have all the patients gone? We're worried that people are too afraid to seek medical attention and that it could have a serious impact on their health. So today on The Dose, we're asking the question, is it safe to go to the ER during COVID-19? Joining me to answer this question is Dr. Ken Milne, Chief of Staff at South Huron Hospital in Exeter, Ontario. Ken is also an adjunct professor in emergency and family medicine at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry. He also teaches at Western University and is the creator of the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine, the SGEM.com. Hi, Dr. Ken Milne. Welcome to The Dose. Thank you, Dr. Goldman. It's great to be here. So you're the chief of staff at South Huron Hospital in Exeter. I work in an emergency department. Let's compare notes. Patient volumes, what are you seeing? Patient volumes are down in our little hospital that does. The South Huron Hospital, it's a rural hospital. And we've also seen a decrease by about 50% in our ED volume. And uh, are they coming in with COVID or what else are they coming in with? We're not seeing much COVID. We're seeing many people concerned that they have COVID, but the actual number of patients ruling in or testing positive for COVID is very, very small. Are there other kinds of medical problems that you're also not seeing in the emergency department that you'd be expect to be seeing? Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of us are getting really, really concerned. We're not seeing the same number of heart attacks and strokes and other serious time-dependent emergencies. And you know as well as I do, Brian, just because we have COVID-19 doesn't mean all those risk factors for heart attacks and strokes has gone away. There's still the same number of hypertensive people with high blood pressure out there, same number of diabetics, same number of people that are smoking. And so where are those people? And that's got us really concerned. Why do you think they aren't coming? Oh, I I think they're afraid. We've done such an amazing job of getting that message out to flatten the curve, stay home, self-isolate. But you know what we didn't do, and I'm starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable about this, is that we should have added, but if you're concerned or if you think you have an emergency, don't stay away. Because we don't want people with these time-dependent emergencies not to come and seek care because we can do something to help. So let's start talking about some of the many reasons why patients should be coming into the emergency department but might not be coming in. Any condition, for instance, in which time is of the essence to fix it and maybe save the patient's life. So, for instance, a pregnant woman with a ruptured tubal or ectopic pregnancy who's hemorrhaging into her abdomen, 
That's the first one that comes to my mind. What's the first one that comes to your mind? Well, being a middle-aged man, I'm thinking heart attack. So, you know, if you've got that, hmm, I wonder if this is indigestion or a heart attack, please come in. It can be hard even for doctors to sort that out. And we have special tests to be able to determine, is it a heart attack or is it a heartburn uh, situation? So if you're experiencing chest pain, heaviness in the chest, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Because you know that we have effective treatments for those things, but they're time dependent. And if you come in too late with a heart attack in the rural areas, we say the horse is out of the barn. Worst headache you've ever had. That's another one too. That could be a subarachnoid hemorrhage, a brain bleed. Absolutely. Time is important if it's a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And to be able to pick out those people, it's, it's like trying to pick out a needle from a haystack at times. But if you're not seeing patients with headaches, how can you determine who really does have that life-threatening brain bleed? And that's really, really important. I view my job in the emergency department not necessarily just to treat emergencies. It's actually a bigger picture job. It's to sort out who has the emergencies. So the volume of those people coming in thinking, hmm, could this be a stroke, this numbness and tingling, or could this be a heart attack? It's gone down, but I'm still seeing some people that actually do have a heart attack or do have a stroke, but those people seem to be presenting later in the disease process. And like we mentioned earlier, it's time dependent. And so with the heart attack example, we have something called a completed heart attack. In other words, the muscle in the heart has been damaged from the outside to the inside part of the muscle. It's complete. And then once that's happened, there's not a lot that can be done. But if they've come in in time, we can do something. But I'm seeing people that are presenting too late after the fact because they were scared. And I've had multiple people say to me, I didn't want to come in. I was worried about the COVID. And they're actually calling it COVID phobia on, on social media. I've heard it called that. Yeah, and, and people are expressing it to me, saying, I, I, I just was worried and I, I didn't know and so I didn't come in. And my response to them always is, I would rather have you come in and let me tell you that it was heartburn and send you home than have you stay home and die of a heart attack. I know we're getting the sense that patients are afraid of coming to the emergency department. I've certainly had that when I've spoken to patients. Um, they wonder if it's safe. And what's your message uh, to patients who ask you if it's safe or tell you that they were afraid to come because they didn't think it was safe to come to the emergency department? Oh, I encourage them to come in. And sort of my standard line, and this is even without COVID going on, if you're concerned, we're concerned. Because they're an expert at them. They know their body. They know themselves. They know what they normally feel like. Most of those people have lived in their own body for decades. Well, I'm an expert at medicine. And so I encourage them to, if you think you have a problem, and if you're concerned enough to ask the question, could this be an emergency, then please come in and I'll apply my medical expertise. You'll apply your personal expertise as an expert at yourself. And between the two of us, we'll sort this out. You've already talked about what happens if somebody has a completed heart attack, as opposed to coming in the early stages of a heart attack. They, they end up with, with some heart muscle that's died. They might be at increased risk of, of heart failure as a direct result of that. You know, and I've definitely seen during this pandemic, 
patients who've waited too long to come to the emergency department and who had not just appendicitis, for instance, but had evidence of a burst infection and an infection inside their abdomen as a direct result, you know, a sign that often means that the patient waited too long to come. How about you? Yeah, exactly. And it's not just about mortality. Mortality is terrible. People dying is terrible. But how about people that live, but live with significant morbidity because they didn't come in? Like you just referred to, if someone has a heart attack, if we can get to it in time, there's things that we can do to mitigate that. And so they don't go into something called congestive heart failure and have significant impairment in their day-to-day activities. Or if you rupture your appendix, that's worse than catching your appendicitis in time. One of the recent cases I saw was a diabetic, and the diabetic was concerned to come in. Their sugars had been running off, and they came in, and that resulted in some kidney damage because of their sugars being off. And if we had only been able to uh, see them sooner, we could have made some adjustments and hopefully had prevented some long-term kidney damage. So I think the message needs to be, if you're concerned, please come on. We are open, and it is a safe environment for you to be assessed. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's address some of the concerns or some of the fears, the phobias that the patients have. Um, as far as I know, at the hospital where I work, no patient has caught COVID-19 just by coming. Is there any evidence anywhere since the beginning of the pandemic that you can catch COVID in the emergency department? I have not seen any published reports of a patient getting COVID from transmission from a healthcare worker by accessing the emergency department. That doesn't mean it's not out there necessarily because I haven't been able to read everything. There's been a tsunami of information, but I'm not aware of any patient picking up COVID-19 because they attended an emergency department. And think about it, Brian, if they come into the emergency department, what's our department like? We are hyper vigilant. We've got our masks on. We've got our gloves on. We're washing our hands well. We're isolating people. We're spacing them apart. I mean, we are, we are on the top of our game when it comes to infectious control right now. So it might be one of the safest places to be. And certainly in my emergency department, we're doing many of the same things, probably all the same things. You know, as soon as a patient arrives at triage, if they're asked, you know, they're, they're all asked, do they have uh, symptoms of a possible respiratory infection or anything that would make that nurse think that they might have COVID? They're erring on the side of caution. They put a mask on them. They put them into a separate room. They physically distance. There's no visitors. We're using masks and gowns and face shields, as you have said. Um, Is there anything that you're doing different in your emergency department to what I might be doing in my urban emergency department because you work in a more rural setting? Well, I think we have a bit more of a challenge um, in some areas and less in other areas. And so in our rural department, we don't have necessarily the space to, you know, isolate people as well. We don't have... uh, ventilators other than one single transport ventilator to transport that person from our place 
to a higher level of care. So that's one of the things. And in addition, we don't have the redundancy, I think, in staff because there's just usually two nurses and one doctor in the department. In a small rural hospital, we don't have a, a surgery department that's been closed down for elective surgeries to redeploy doctors and nurses to help out in the emergency department. There's only family doctors that are working in the emergency department and those family doctors also work in their offices and those family doctors also take care of the inpatients. Same applies to the nursing staff. They're working in the inpatient unit, but it's the same nurse that'll be working in the emergency department potentially, and they also work in the doctor's offices. So we don't have the, the deep bench of, of people to redeploy into the emergency department to address any kind of COVID surge or any potential um, significant event. Does that mean that a smaller rural emergency department is more vulnerable to things getting out of hand if a COVID patient shows up who is sick and needs to be on a ventilator? Well, I think it adds to the challenge because, I mean, even before COVID, somebody comes in in cardiac arrest. If there's just two nurses and one physician to run a cardiac arrest code, you know, take somebody be doing CPR, somebody to take care of the airway, somebody be doing documentation, somebody running to the uh, meds dispenser to get the medication, somebody to make the phone calls to the uh, outside hospital where we're going to transfer those people to. And we'll be scrambling around. We do a great job. We are the little hospital that does. We do a fantastic job. And I think we are rural centers of excellence. But when we get down to deliver the patient to the urban center, we're often met with, I don't know, you know, a dozen to a dozen and a half people waiting to receive that person that we've just managed. The three of us have managed so well. And then we transfer care to this team of individuals. And yet, in spite of all the things you've talked about right now, as we speak, waiting times are down because volumes are down in the emergency department where you work. Yeah, that's another really important point, because if people are concerned that, you know, coming to the emergency department, they may put them at greater risk because they are used to having long wait times. The wait times are significantly down. If you have half the volume, our throughput or our efficiency is much quicker. So your time in the department will be much faster than in non-COVID times. It makes a certain amount of sense that patients might be feeling anxious about going into the emergency department and taking up hospital resources when they may worry that they would best be used on other patients. So what should patients be weighing when it comes to making a decision to go to the emergency department? Listen, if you're concerned, you are the arbiter. You decide if you're having an emergency. And if you're concerned, we're concerned. Because the emergency department is known as the light in the house of medicine that's always on. And it's on for anyone, at any time, for anything. So please don't be afraid to come to the emergency department if you think you're having an emergency. So let's run through the list. Uh, severe chest pain would be one. Abdominal pain, severe abdominal pain that doesn't go away uh, and, and, and isn't relieved with something like a Tylenol. What other symptoms? So, you know, you could think of it as the ABCs, the airway, the breathing, the circulation. If you're having trouble with your mouth, you can't breathe, you can't get air in, you're struggling to breathe, that would be a very concerning thing. If you're having trouble with being very dizzy or lightheaded, that could indicate a circulation problem. If you're having weakness 
or numbness on one side of the body or the other, or difficulty speaking or difficulty seeing, that could be a sign of a stroke. So I think those are some of the big things. So we've been talking about adults mainly, symptoms that adults have where they can weigh uh, themselves, decide for themselves whether they should go to the emergency department. What about kids? What would you say to moms and dads who are listening to this right now and are wondering uh, when they should bring their child to the emergency department in the time of COVID? Again, just like the adult comment about they know their body better than the physician, I rely on parents to be experts at their children. They know their child better than I do. And so if they think something's off with their child, they should come in. Well, grown-ups like you and me, we tend to go with heart attacks and strokes. That's how we sort of leave this, um, this earth. <laughs> but children, it's usually breathing. And so we have to be very careful of focusing on children's breathing. They have young, healthy hearts that keep going and going and going. But if they get into breathing trouble, that always peaks my radar. It's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I should be more concerned if they're having breathing trouble. Are there any other things that patients can do when they come to the emergency department to help uh, communication with the physician? Oh, yeah. One of the great things that patients can do is be empowered and have their medical history. And that includes what are their current medications, what surgeries have they had in their past, and if they're allergic to anything. Now, what do you think us doctors need to remember as we treat patients during the time of COVID working in the emergency department? Well, one of the things I keep reminding myself is to be kind, not only to myself and to my fellow staff, but to the patients. These are stressful times. Anxiety is high. We're not always going to be behaving our best. I know I've tripped up over the last four to six weeks being working, working, working. And you know what? We, we've just got to be kind to ourselves and remember that we're all operating under a new normal, this COVID-19 times, and we need to try to be kind to each other. So to patients, I'm truly trying really hard to be kinder to them and say, yeah, it's okay. I'm glad you came in. Let's take a look. I understand and validate their concerns. You know, so there's the emotional component and, and, uh, and of course, being kind and empathic with one another is really important. There's also the cognitive part of this. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, as, as a veteran skeptic, how much of what we think we're seeing is, is recency bias and how much is real? You know, not the numbers of emergency cases. We know they're down, but the people are arriving at the emergency department with the complications of untreated heart attacks and appendicitis. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Brian, because I've been actively trying to avoid having anchoring bias or expecting everyone to come through the door as being COVID-19. I mean, they've expanded the signs and symptoms that could be suggestive of COVID-19 just to capture everyone in that screening process. So you're going to cast the net very wide. But when we cast the net very wide, those people that screen positive for suspected COVID, the vast majority won't be COVID patients. And so we've got to remember as physicians, as clinicians, not to get hung up on that, oh, it's got to be COVID. 
If somebody comes in with chest pain and shortness of breath, it's probably related to their heart and not necessarily related to COVID-19. So while we have to keep COVID-19 in our mind, and I don't think that's going to be hard not to, we've got to remember that common things are common and people will still have the same problems they had before COVID-19 existed. So keep your radar on for heart attacks, strokes, appendicitis, subarachnoid hemorrhage, those types of life-threatening illnesses. So what's the bottom line at the end of all this? What's the most important thing for everyone to remember right now? Oh, I think the most important thing is don't panic. We will get through this. And if you think you're having an emergency, please come to the emergency department. Let us assess you and make sure that you're not having an emergency and it'll be a safe place to come and get your health care. Dr. Ken Milne, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. It's a pleasure speaking with you, Brian. Dr. Ken Milne is the Chief of Staff at South Huron Hospital in Exeter, Ontario. He's also an adjunct professor in emergency and family medicine at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry. He teaches evidence-based medicine, clinical epidemiology, critical appraisal, and biostatistics at Western University in London, Ontario, and is the creator of the Knowledge Translation Project, The Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Here's your dose of smart advice. It's possible COVID-19 has led to fewer heart attacks and strokes, but it's also likely that some patients aren't coming to the ER because they fear the coronavirus. Don't think twice about coming to the emergency department or taking your kids for treatment. If you have chest pain, symptoms of a stroke, trouble breathing, severe abdominal pain, or the worst headache you've ever had, or any other emergency, don't wait it out. Come to the ER. Hospitals are taking strong measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 there. At The Dose, we'll continue to bring you the best information we can on the coronavirus. If you have questions about COVID-19, let us know what they are and we'll do our best to get you some answers. Email us at thedose@cbc.ca. You can tweet me at NightShiftMD or the other show I host at CBC Whitecoat. Remember to use the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Dose was produced by Arianne Robinson, Donna Dingwall, and me with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Austin Pomeroy for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.